This is Puddle Request, live from the heart of Brooklyn. Puddle Request is an hour-long talk show about everything in and relating to technology. Starring three techno experts, Eric Newman. Hi. Chris Grabowski. Hello. And Tyler Dinner. Hey, everyone. This week's episode, Tip to Tip. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Puddle Request. My name is Eric Newman, and to my left is... Nobody, because today we're starting a new era of the show, a new era of Polar Request, and hopefully it will be better for everybody. And uh, so to my metaphorical left, because he's on the internet, is Chris Grabowski. Hello. I said your name wrong. Sorry. (laughs) I think last time I called you Chris. Uh This time I choked on Grabowski. If you just had a shorter name... Well, you wouldn't be the first person to choke on Grabowski, but it's usually a woman. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, I I think we should cut that out. (laughs) Not necessarily, but we could always, of course... It's a new era for the show, Chris, but we can still... Just like the old days. And to his metaphorical left, also across the internet, but literally closer to me, is, of course, Tyler Dinner. Hello? Hey, guys. How's it going? Fantastic. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing all right. Good, good. Well, that's the show, and we'll see you all next week. No. Uh, so, uh, I have some news for you guys. I have some news for you guys. What's up? We um, previously had a podcast delay. We were a podcast, and we previously had a podcast delay of five days. So whenever we had done a show on Sunday, it wouldn't hit iTunes until Thursday. Well, I fixed the podcast delay. How'd you fix it, Eric? I fixed it. By parting ways with Radio Free Brooklyn. That's right. We had many, many arguments. uh, And it turned out that the visions that each of us had were not in line. I wanted to run a successful media organization. Well, be part of a successful media organization. Uh, I want to run one too, but that's another story. And uh, they want to stay in a basement. So, no, that's biased. That's biased. I tried explaining our case. I tried to explain. And by the way, it's really hard having this conversation without looking at you guys. Like it's, uh, I enjoyed that element of the show, mm. but uh, we'll get it back someday, hopefully. But uh, no, so we had. Uh, I tried reasoning with them, and I said, "Listen, you know, we're a tech show, and we do a lot of content that is uh, temporal. But problem is, is that when you do anything in technology and it lasts for longer than a a week, a couple days, like even building a computer." A computer's obsolete by the time that you, you, you buy it. Uh, so doing any sort of content requires a very, very quick flow. In and out, in and out. And you want... Well, that really... I'm sticking with the topic today. Sorry, <laughs> tip to tip. So uh, Anyway, no. Uh, <laughs> uh, this might be our, our when you, show. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, Without profanity, though. Okay, <clears throat> right. Yeah, so let's, try, let's try to limit that. Uh, so the thing is, is that uh, you want this sort of fresh content, and when you sit, have to sit on content for five days before you can tell anybody about it, uh, but whether it's content that you read or content that you produce or content that you distribute, it kills it. I mean, imagine if you watched a, a Monday Night Tonight show on Thursday, but then there was, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday's worth of news happening. So you mean between- John Oliver? Exactly. And like I said previously, we were very bad last week tonight. So it's uh, we only can hope to be as good as him. Or 
the other half of his comedy troupe that is he unfortunately left stranded in England. That's uh, Andy Saltzman, I think. Hmm. Uh, yeah, they had a, they were a comedy duo before uh, John Oliver went to the Daily Show. Anyway, the point is um, that. I tried explaining this to them, and I tried explaining, you know, the fact that we really need this five-day delay is too much, and podcasting is mature enough now to where I honestly don't believe you're going to lose too many listeners to a podcast, and that's been their biggest hang-up is, and as I've mentioned this before when we did our episode on 21st century media consumption, um, we talked about how very few, not not much is happening live these days, but Radio Free Brooklyn, they still think that people want to do stuff live rather than how most of uh, the people that we know and most of us tend to consume things, which is actively. This is the 21st century. We are the active century. We consume things actively, which means I choose what to put on and when rather than just flipping on a television or a radio or an internet radio and listening to whatever's on. So... um. Do you guys follow me? Is that am I off the reservation yet? I mean, also we drink a lot of energy drinks, and we're pretty active. Mm-hmm. Get outside, do sports. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, man, exactly. <laughs> yeah, maybe a little rock climbing and go hunt down some dunes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, mean, I went to a concert sponsored by Red Bull. I feel like you're really forgetting a large part of our society, bro. Yo, first and first, mostly, I never <laughs> ever wanted to say that we weren't being active, but like totally, we 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 need to be more active. Anyway, the point is, speaking from the consensus, <laughs> of the bro, heavy of the millennial generation. Exactly. Uh, the 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 shorter end of the story is that they didn't want uh, to do that. So what happened was. I, uh, even though I tried to be rational and I tried to show them examples of successful podcast networks, they made it very plain to me that Radio Free Brooklyn is an internet radio station and not a podcast network. And we, of course, tried to figure out the difference between whatever those are, other than the literal words that they used, which we failed because there is no real substantive difference between the two, uh, except for the fact that podcast networks are making money right now. Internet money. Yeah, and in fact, one podcast network that is the gold standard of, what I would call the gold standard of podcasting, Twit, uh, This Week in Tech, that has been around for 10 years, 11 years, since 2005. What year is this? Almost 12 years. Uh, And they control about 25% of the podcasting revenue, the advertising revenue, which relates to about $15 million a year. So I'd say that's enough money to want to try to figure out, you know, and they made that from nothing. I want to try to figure out that magic and how we can copy some of that magic and maybe get a thin sliver of that uh, 15 times 4, $60 million. Not a whole lot, but there's something to be got. There is. And the thing is, whenever I've tried to talk about this to the fine people of Radio Free Brooklyn, they've always reminded me one thing. They do not, and I'm not kidding, and I've been, this is after many discussions and many emails and many phone calls and many in-person discussions, uh, they don't want to make money. Their goal is to not have money. They have taken a vow of poverty. and They don't take kindly to money. No, <laughs> and, and some of them honestly hate uh, capitalism, and they hate the prospect of making money the American way. So that's talking about capitalism in economic theories is not really in our purview as a technology podcast, but the fact that we've parted ways from them is. So what happened was, I uploaded a file. Radio Free Brooklyn has a website that syndicates the shows to iTunes. You're not uploading them to iTunes directly. You upload them to a site called Audioboom that then archives it and makes a page for each episode, and then it sends it to to iTunes. 
Now, I thought that because Radio Free Brooklyn has a complex automation suite of hand-rolled automation tools via Literally Automator and an Audio Hijack and a bunch of other things, I thought that they put all of the stuff in a queue once you uploaded it to the website, and then five days from then, it went to iTunes. I was wrong, because it's 2017. Whenever you upload it to Audioboom, it just goes right to iTunes, and it's on your phone that day. Imagine that. It's almost like it's all interconnected. Whoa. So, no. So, because of that uh, misconception, I accidentally uploaded a show of ours the day after we did it. So, that's uh, verboten in, in by the rule book. And uh, they sacked me. Us. And they said, I have broken their trust. And I tried to explain to them this was a simple misunderstanding. This was an accident. I'm a buffoon. That's why I'm not president. Oh, wait. No. Uh, no, I tried to explain to them this was a simple mistake. And they said, and they said, oh, likely story. We know that you've been complaining about podcasting. So we thought you were doing this maliciously, which I really, this time it was not. Because I wouldn't be that stupid to, to say, when you, when you have these arguments generally with people, you want to be squeaky clean. And that's why... Uh, I had backed off entirely for a couple of weeks because I know I wasn't. I knew I wasn't getting anywhere. I was going to ask everybody when we had a group meeting, and if everybody told me no, then I'd have to settle it. That's why we tried retooling the show to be less news based, but we still have some. So I uploaded an MP3 file to a website, and uh, I got fired. Not the first person to do so. No, I don't. Yeah, but I mean that is of the well, ways of getting fired. <clears throat> Come on. Then of course is the opposite of doing pseudo rm rf and getting fired. Oh yeah, who did that? <laughs> uh, somebody at GitLab's uh, this past week. Do you want to talk about that? Uh, I uh, I know more than I should. So. So only talk about the parts that you should, and then say that you can't talk about the rest because you have some cool job that lets you know more information. Um, or we can do something else. So <laughs> I don't want to put you on the spot because that wasn't on the outline, even though mm-hmm. it should have been. But that's another story. Someone made an oopsie and so a lot of data. I did lost. a very similar but not as severe thing this week at my job too. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, hold on. Before we get to that, let's just really close the book on this. So we are, and I really think we should have been a podcast from the beginning, and we're a podcast now, and. We're going to do things the way that I tried explaining it to Radio Free Brooklyn, which is uh, you were a radio startup. So you should be doing everything that you can to try to get an edge on distribution, on production, on, on anything, on content creation that you, to, to beat, you know, Clear Channel or even better podcast networks. I mean, this argument, I really feel like it was something from 10 years ago. And if these people have the radio experience that they say they do, uh, they should know that radio as a business is dying, but it's flourishing only as podcasts. And internet radio is, uh, is some skeuomorphic thing from the 20, early 21st century, late 20th century that we need to get over. So now, in the podcast world, we have a few new things. First... We don't have to do the show the same time every week. We can do it whenever we want. So we don't have to wake up early, and we don't have to run, you know, we don't, ha- we don't have to uh, run down the Calp Avenue. So, oh my God, am I going to make it? Am I going to make it? Oh. So we have more control over that. Or for some of also, us, take the Lex line to the L, to the Cobb, walk down to Cobb Ave. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And uh, 
And unfortunately, bad. this train has been delayed by its dispatcher. We apologize for any inconvenience. It's something that you've heard uh, every morning, I think. Yeah, pretty much. Although the new train just did not say anything. The what? The new train just did not say anything and just sit there. Not, oh. not moving. Ew. Yeah. This happened to me this weekend. I'll train to Oh, yeah. Uh, don't yeah. Oh, it did. Get a little closer to the mic, please, Tyler. You. Oh. Yeah, they expect you to just, you know, have an app on your phone since they made an API so that that way they don't have to tell you an announcement. And an API with delayed data. <laughs> well, right. And because now they have self-service in all the subway stops that uh, they, they can expect that from you. Mm-hmm. I feel like, really, once they get opened up the second ab line, they just stop working. Yep. <laughs> they just, you know, okay, well, we gave them I... free Wi-Fi, we gave them three new stops, and now they just take us, they take us to yes, the guys... And the billions of dollars that we need to fix the tracks and to make sure that the switches work on time and that people can get to where they're going, let's not do that. Then because people can... There's the other idea, too, where, you know, somebody sitting there just being like, you know would be really cool? No express trains on the weekends. Oh, man. Because you don't have to go to work, so why would you want to get anywhere quicker? Yeah. Yeah. No one wants to use the city on the weekends. Mm. No. No. Tell all those people to go home. Go back to New Jersey. honestly that's what it should say on the george washington bridge when you're driving over it just turn around and go back go back welcome to new york go back for where you came that's uh... i had a cab driver make a great point to me this week oh yes it's terrible driving on the weekends because all these people come in from out of town and they don't know how to drive in the city but everybody comes in from out of town every day but no like the weekdays like the people that are in the in town on the weekdays like they do it every well, day, so they know what they're getting into. Like the weekend, you have a pair, set of grandparents coming in from Connecticut, trying to like see the town. It's like, oh boy, you cannot drive around. That's here. true. They should be taking the Metro North. Mm. Speaking, yes. of, speaking of speaking of tri-state area transit, tickets. last week I did something that you, Christian, have something in common with. I took a train out to Long Island to spend a day with my family. Unfortunately, it was not a good day. I went to a funeral. At the one of two Jewish cemeteries on Long Island. I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, it's a, yeah. So that's why there wasn't a show last week because somebody died. And uh, I, you know, when when somebody dies with either of you, then the the two of us can put put something together. But if somebody dies with me, the show dies. So I guess we really know who of the three of us is the most important person. Okay, Sting. I like <laughs> to be. I prefer Alvin. All right. And you could be, and, and Christian, you could be Simon, and Tyler, you could be Theodore. And I think that really lines up perfectly. Well, so the other so, dynamic uh, we've established is uh, uh, Dinesh Guilfoyle and uh, half Jared, half Ehrlich. <laughs> right. This is true. Yeah. Eric doesn't keep up with uh, uh, Silicon, Silicon Valley. Valley. Yeah. yeah. I, that show is so good, I can't watch it. That's how good it well, is. Well, to be specific, is- you're Dinesh, I'm Guilfoyle, and Tyler's half Jared, half Ehrlich. Oh, how inclusive of you. <laughs> Thank you. So, and anyway, uh, we're getting off track because something that I really wanted to do um, but didn't do yet is we didn't talk about what the main theme for today's show is, which is not nearly as erotic as it sounds, <laughs> tip to tip, because we are talking about P2P, and that P is not E-N-I-S. It is peer-to-peer 15. networking. So... That's the main topic for the show, but before we get into that, we have a big story. And uh, because we've had to redo our, our, our whole setup and rebuild this, I, you know, we're broadcasting from a studio in my apartment. And uh, Pneumonium Labs, that's right. Uh, anyway, 
Um, I didn't make a newsreel for this week, but we can just do one live. How's that? Sure. Okay. Go for it. Well, let me uh, cue up the article. Pull up Reddit. That wasn't it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, all this show is is just hacker news, and that's all that we get. Yeah. No, this one is uh, Time Warner defrauds customers by advertising internet speeds it couldn't provide. Let's hear it from our news department. New Marion presents News to Use. New York. January, what day is it? It's February. New York Attorney General Eric Schneiderman launched a statewide effort to measure residents' broadband speeds back in 2015 to see if they were getting the blazing fast internet access that the service provided. Today, in February of 2017, Schneiderman announced his bill. His office is suing the New York City's biggest broadband provider for not only failing to live up to its promises, but allegedly knowing that many of its customers couldn't possibly see the speeds that it promised. Of course, that internet service provider is no surprise to people who live in New York City. It's Time Warner Cable. According to the complaint filed today in the New York State Court, and Time Warner Cable engaged in a deliberate scheme to defraud customers. And something happened to the bed. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, man. This is a really, this is a ad hoc show. Uh, ah! Here we go. No, I got it. I got it. Here we go. According to the complaint filed today in a New York State court, Tom Warner Cable engaged in a deliberate scheme to defraud customers. The state claimed TWC deliberately neglected its work and did not provide upgraded equipment to customers, meaning many broadband subscribers were unable to see the speeds the company marketed to them. The lawsuit cites an internal company presentation from June 2013 where TWT staff acknowledged that 75% of the modems associated with a 20 megabit per second broadband plan cannot actually deliver at that speed. And that's why this has been News to Use. Brought to you by Pneumonia. That was a horrible read. I'm really sorry. Don't forget, Pneumonia, reinventing media daily. Reinventing media daily, yes. <laughs> See, that's why I have to record these. Because when I just try to read the article, it doesn't work out that well. Everything, except I have the ability to rant, and I don't know why I can just like improvise that. But if I have to just read, I have some guesses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. Anyway, but if I have to read something and then like try to come up with it in a voice, it doesn't doesn't work out. Anyway, one thing at a time, and I'm sure next week's show will be even stronger. Maybe if you did the news with the Larry Sanders voice and the music, because you're seeing what's Larry Sanders voice. Yeah, that was the David. Larry Sanders show was on HBO. Uh, Larry, Larry David Bernie or Bernie Sanders? Sanders. Well, well technically, Larry back. Sanders would be a culmination of the two of them. Actually, Bernie's has a brother. I'm not even kidding, and his name is Larry. <laughs> I'm not even. Well, I'm not know, even uh, kidding. You can't make awesome. that up. So you want? I mean, we could we could try it. We could try it. Hold on, Larry David. Uh, that would be great. I know Larry Sanders. Thanks too. Have you heard of the worst internet service provider in New York City? It's called Time Warner Cable. They were unable to upgrade equipment and kept internet speeds low. Do you have a problem connecting to Netflix? Maybe it could be for your internet. How's that? <laughs> See, that's natural. Yeah. That is that comes off. But I really like that early 20th century mid-Atlantic sound. Uh, anyway. We talked last time about uh, FCC Chairman's Azleet Pie, and that was the last newsreel that I did, which I also have if you want to hear it, but we, I'm not going to play it for you. Uh, he repealed, uh, he issued an, an order repealing the regulation that 
these companies had that required them to disclose speeds and throughput and fees and service and details about their service. So this leads to two interesting questions. One of them is, if this had been happening while that regulation was going on, why did it take until now to figure that out? Do either of you have an idea? Uh, probably covering it up and all that fun stuff that usually happens. Yeah, probably stalled it with lawyers. Like, oh, we don't have to release this information yet. We got to double check. We got to triple check. We got to have an appeals. We got to have a third party come and test this. Yada yada. yada. Well, then what's the point of having a regulation in the first place? Because what the idea behind that regulation was to prevent exactly this from happening. Well, here's what makes me wonder. I've seen an ad for the subway on the subway now about like a new internet provider that's going to give like one gigabyte speed. Oh, RCN one like, gigabyte. Yeah. Yeah. Gigabit, so it's like, well, say. now if the, if they don't have any. If they don't have any like necessity to not lie about that, they could have 15 megabytes per second, and they could be telling me it's one gig, and there's no regulation or committee regulating that at all anymore. 15 times 8 is 400? It's gigabit, not gigabyte, when you're talking network speeds. It's 120. It's 120, so 15 megabytes a second. No, it's it's bits when you're talking network. Christian, Christian, Christian. It is megabits. Christian, Mm -hmm. what did I say? I said 15 times 8 yes. equals 120 megabits per second is not bad. So Tyler, you know, they're, 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 advertising, anyway. they're advertising. I know. So Tyler's comment was actually right because despite <laughs> – it's like an idiot savant, but that's another story. <laughs> Wait, what? No, they have no – No, 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 because you, no, you were right in saying if you actually – if they promised a gigabit and they gave you 15 megabytes a second, that it would be bad. And that's because you only get a buck twenty megabits. Yes, Christian is also right though in saying that typically, and for the our listeners out there, typically network speeds are given in megabits, not bytes. And there are eight bits to a byte, and there are how many bits? Sorry, how many bytes in a kilobyte? Tyler, a thousand. No, Christian, a thousand twenty-four. Thank you. Why is that? Because you have to go by powers of two with bytes. Yes, because. Because we're working with binary. Which is in base? Two. So, Tyler, how many kilobytes are in a megabyte? 1,024. Very good. Very good. Okay. So, Um, semantics aside, though, apparently we could have made our own internet company and had total crap speeds and then told everyone that we had 45 gigabits per second. Well, maybe we should do that and then call it Cablevision. Because that's... Because that's who I have, and despite having 120 megabits down, I have a horrible ping time to this service that we're using uh, to record our, our audio. Well, that, go- and, that takes uh, a whole other uh, bunch of factors there, too. Things like uh, geolocation uh, is definitely a big factor. Uh, your DNS provider. Why is that? Why is that? Because uh, you can only go at the speed of light for his, uh, your data to transfer. And so, say, uh, our, this particular service happens to have, be in a data center in Virginia, which, for those who don't know, is the AWS uh, data center. And so you're basically so you traveling the speed of direct... light. So each bit travels the speed of light across the, the uh, network. And the idea is uh, if you have a better DNS service to uh, figure out what is the closest and fastest server to get uh, from your d- device to the, uh, the server... Uh, like uh, where I work, uh, that's what we do is uh, kind of a smart DNS to actually route customers to your most efficient server. And then. Wait, so you can solve this problem with. you Can, can you actually create your own route 
to a specific server on your own? The DNS provider would do so. But I mean, if you just you you know use a different DNS server. Yes. 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 How do they determine the route to take based on my ISP? I thought my ISP controlled that. GPS. Sorry. Well, the, the the DNS provider gives you the specific IP though, and then from there. The DNS provider gives you the specific IP. Yes, and so. Doesn't make any sense. So where, where I work. If I get a local IP from cable. Where I work, we actually calculate the ping times uh, uh, based on the given IP addresses that a, a customer gives us to their customers' devices, and we figure out which one would be most efficient for, uh, for them to go to. And that, uh, and then you you get that IP address as opposed to uh, getting uh, just round robin, uh, pick of the litter kind of stuff. But that's like if you if if you your customer in this sense would be Cablevision, Optimum, is there no now? No, and, uh, the, no. My, the, my customer would be the service that we're using to record. Oh, Zencast. So yeah. the th- and we're using Zencaster, which is a we shouldn't promote them because we want to make a better one. We'll talk about that later, but that's another story. Um, but we love them for now. They're fantastic. Yes, yeah, actually, Thank we need so all much. the good karma we can get. Thank you, Tyler. You're right. Um, so there's well, first we have to get back to the to the news story because now that there's not this regular, and I have a question on the the pink stuff. But yeah, first, now that uh, Chairman Pai has removed the regulation or is going to remove the regulation. Uh, that these companies had to disclose literature to the government about their service. Uh, I mean, I don't even know. This is a clear violation of that regulation, but it's been going on for years. This was happening while Obama was in office. It was probably happening when George Bush was in office. So what's the use? Why have these regulations? Maybe that's the point. Maybe that's why he's repealing it, because he's like, well, this isn't doing anything. <laughs> I don't know. Any... It is probably saving them legal trouble by repealing uh, repealing these regulations and. What the FCC legal trouble or the ISP's legal trouble? Uh, them dealing with ISP lawyers. Yeah, but how often does that really happen? Oh, it could happen as often as it takes them to delay this whole. Hey, they're not actually giving the right speeds, but we can't actually say this as long as we're still in arbitration. Interesting. Interesting. Also, um, they should probably just change the language because I know that a lot of cell phone companies, the word unlimited really does not mean unlimited. It means it might mean unlimited, but we'll throttle you after heavily after four gigabytes. Or it might actually only mean five, sorry, might actually only mean five gigabytes because 95% of our customers are used below five gigabytes. So it's practically unlimited to them. That was the excuse AT&T used to use. And, uh, I could see many wired ISPs going the same way when we get into data caps for residential internet, which is going to happen. And it's probably going to happen, I'm going to say... I mean, it happens already in other countries. Mm-hmm. Probably going to happen in America in the next 10 years. And then it's going to really mess things up once you get... And it's going to really mess things up for... And this might be why it's not happening uh, for Microsoft and Adobe and all of these companies that release gigabytes worth of updates. And the only way that you could afford to download that is if you have unlimited data. But... You know, Verizon has a 200... Well, it might be that they're going to have, like, a business or enterprise grade that they're going to try to even put... That's what Comcast is doing. Yeah. That's what Comcast... Because Comcast and Verizon actually both have data caps, but you, you, they're practically unlimited because in order to watch 200 gigabytes... I'm sorry, I answered my own question. In order in order to consume 200 gigabytes of video a month... Of, of data, I'm being stupid, data a month, it basically has to be video. You have to basically be watching, you know, 
two 4K TVs for five hours a day. Well, video or you're a programmer and you're dealing with like uh, container images or operating system images all the time. What is it really? Have you actually hit uh, six figures, three figures in gigabytes of usage? Have you hit over 100 gigabytes a month? Probably. Uh, when I think about it, um, dealing with containers. Probably and actually are two different. So things. dealing with containers, I'm probably looking at about 200 megabyte uh, sized images being passed back and forth a day. Thankfully, things like Docker are smart about the only passing what layers aren't already up there. So that's probably more like that 200 that it looks like I'm pushing is probably a bit more like, uh, I don't know, maybe like 100. Tyler, what about you? Oh man, uh, there's VR and three and 3D VR movies coming out now. Uh, those files get huge. Do you know the rates? Uh, the download the the bit rates of those files. Most of the stuff is going to be streamed. Uh, no, I don't. That's know why the I rates, said bit I rates. Um, no, I'm not certain off the top of my head. They vary. Depends. There's a lot of different content out there, and because okay. uh, I I I want to say that HD video is about a gigabyte an hour. 4K video it might be a gigabyte a minute, and if it's you know 360. I don't know what the actual rectangular resolution is. Well, 360, you have equirectangular videos, so you basically have six different times 1080p. So you can almost multiply it by six, but I'm sure you could get it less, like maybe three with, or with four times the size, but it's still a massive file. And uh, think about now, there's you know, uh, PlayStation VR, so you could be playing video games with different people in VR. Like That's a lot of streaming data. It is. So when do you think the tipping point is going to come? For when we all have to, you know, monitor, and they're going to say, just like electricity, you have to monitor your electricity. You you have to pay by the kilowatt. Why not pay by the megawatt or that I mean, megabyte? You if, know what I mean. If capitalism works, then there should be companies that rise up. That well, the problem is, is very capitalism is working a little ISP. well. Sorry, it would be very hard to set up your own ISP. Is probably one and, of the problems. Speaking of capitalism, the big boys are lobbying against municipalities that have free public internet. Comcast in Philadelphia and Philadelphia uh, actually successfully lobbied the city of Philadelphia to to turn off their municipal internet mm. because it was cutting into their bottom line. That is the type of capitalism that nobody likes. So, well, I wonder if that's the case in Boulder, Colorado, because it's another place with municipal internet. Yeah, but they seem to have something that makes them care less about small quabbles like that. You mean a growing tech community or the other thing that's growing there? A growing green community, Christian. Yeah, I figured. They grow hand in hand sometimes. They do. (laughs) Yeah, they do. Okay. So, uh, Time Warner Cable also, as I mentioned, is the worst. I mean, nobody likes them. I don't even have them. I don't like them. I've never used them. I don't like them. Because that's just Spectrum. I'm sorry? They're Spectrum now. Oh, they're Spectrum. Because, you know, changing your name will stop you from sucking. Uh, that was the philosophy that a lot of UCF student housing used, or possibly still uses. Uh, there was, <laughs> oh, do tell, but not on the air. Oh, you'd be so you'd be surprised. Uh, there was a place called Pegasus Connection. There was a place called Pe- Pe- doesn't exist anymore. Pegasus Connection. When I went to college, it was right across the street from the school, off-campus housing. There was so much crime there that by the time I was a senior, they had to change their name to The Edge because they thought that they could just sweep all of that horridness. Well, that name sounds appropriate too, though. The edge, yeah, because nothing's wrong. They're living life edge. on the edge there. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, getting mugged in the parking lot at a student house in Orlando. Lovely. But anyway, I know. Uh, so the, I guess the real question is: this, this Time Warner, no surprise, has violated this this regulation. They've been sued by the best state, and uh, hopefully will win. 
But if this if they broke a regulation that's being repealed and they were bra- violating it while the regulation was in effect, what happens? Like, is that was that even worth? Like, I might under, like I said, I might understand why they're going to repeal the regulation because most laws don't enact in retrograde. No, 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 no. The, the point is, is that this is more of a sign of the times. Because Time uh, Warner was doing this while it was illegal, so now that it might not be illegal, they're probably going to... That's not going to stop anybody. And it didn't no, stop anybody from making it illegal. Speeds. Sorry? They're just going to advertise even faster speeds. Exactly. Because they don't have to back it up. Hey, we just upgraded everyone to three gigabits per second. Oh, thanks. As long, yeah, if you get it at four <laughs> o'clock in the morning when none of your neighbors have power, but you do somehow... That's when you'll get three gigabits a second. But until then. But, you know, there's also... Well, hold on. There's for one, one second. Yeah. Just one second. There's, a, there's also a, a difference, though, and I remember this from when I used to watch tech TV as an adolescent. Uh, they, were talking about, they were talking about how crazy fast DSL was faster than the servers that you were talking to. So even if you had a faster connection... To, to the internet, quote unquote, that it wouldn't make a difference if the server that you were talking to had, was 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 bottlenecked. How much of that, uh, Mr. Cloud, Christian? How much of that is still an issue? Uh, none of it. In fact, most uh, none of it. Most data ah. centers these days will have a minimum of ten gigabits per second in between any one server in its data center. Right, but. Request payloads have probably magnified by a hundred or a thousand. Yeah, but I'd say a slow response time end to end. So from an outside client to uh, from, from going making a request to a server, hitting a database, coming back, a sl- a slow request is considered one second these days. Oh, that's that's good. Yeah. Do you remember? Did you ever have DSL? I did. Yes, I did. Do you Do you remember the number? It was a dial-up connection. Do you remember the number you had to dial? No. I don't. 35. Hmm. That's it. <laughs> I had a, uh, one of those Stingray oh, modems. So the phone number's 35. Hmm. Yeah, it's like it's the 40s. Yeah, give me the number <laughs> for the police. All right, it's 35. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, uh, actually, it's interesting you bring up the uh, phone, because what I was going to point out, too, is it's a problem with the industry you can't just have an ISP pop up and try to be competitive because you look at everyone who is an ISP, they had existing infrastructure either from delivering cable or phone or both. And because they had Well, there are the MVNOs of ISPs. MVNO stands for something that I can't remember even though I work at one. And uh, it, it's the, they're the people well, that will resell the larger bandwidth. So you'll so have... So aren't you technically like a tier four network then where you're running or a tier three? Uh, where you're running on a uh, basically co-located network? Yeah. So, for instance, uh, like Boost Mobile. I, I don't work for Boost, mm-hmm. but they're popular. Uh, Boost Mobile sits on, I think, Sprint or T-Mobile's network, probably T-Mobile, and uh, that's it. So it goes from Boost to T-Mobile to the cell towers, or rather from your cell phone to T-Mobile to Boost, and it uses their network. So the idea is, I know there used to be I think actually there might still be, but I don't live in California, even though I'm going there in a couple of weeks. Uh, I think it was DSL Extreme or something that resold uh, Pac Bell's DSL, but they did it without the overhead, so we could save you a lot of money. Well, so the problem with any of this though is you're still on oh, an God. existing ISP's infrastructure at some point there. Right, you can't but- just be a, a new ISP that pops up sells uh, their service for half of what everyone else is uh, doing at the same speeds or even better. 
which if you were to just go and build one, I mean, the cost, like Google tried to do that with Google Fiber, and they realized it was just not cost effective. And that's actually, I think that's what Verizon learned with Fios. I heard they're not building out their Fios network, even though that might be contested. Uh, they definitely are building it out in certain areas. I think they they are well, not my building. They're looking for urban growth mostly, from what I've heard. Uh, they recently came to my neighborhood, not my building specifically, but they they are in my neighborhood now. I know that. Can we uh put like a fiber extension cord under the East River if you get it? Yeah, you know, I would love to be plugged directly into fiber, like have fiber going to my apartment. But you know, they'll still Verizon will still do their part. To uh, well, they always your internet experience. Well, so uh, it's a thing that you just always have to uh, with FiOS terminate at going into the building. So if you're out in the suburbs going to your house, you get fiber. But the moment you're, uh, you're in uh, in the house, it's going to be copper. And so in the apartment, you get uh, screwed even more because then you have the entire building is copper. And and that's like eighty year old copper at that. Well. I, I just got rewired entirely uh, a few months ago, but Ooh. yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's why you didn't have internet for a while. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, Tyler, do you have anything to add? I like the internet. I think it's pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow, Tyler, thank you um, <laughs> uh, for that valuable input. <laughs> um, the cool thing, one of the cool things about us being a podcast is that we are also not time-boxed. So we can start the show with enough time for us to wake up and welcome the world. And then also, we're not compressed into a 59-minute box if we wanted to talk about something at length. Because I believe we're about 36 minutes into this episode that's supposed to be about peer-to-peer networking, and we have talked about not peer-to-peer networking. We've talked about the internet. Uh, Which is pretty important to it, but... (laughs) I mean, you couldn't. I mean, you couldn't have one without the other. Yes. Well, you could have an intranet, but yeah. who needs that? That's true. Who does need that? Um, so what we should. So one of well, to uh, scatter brains. See, the thing is, is I really think there's I there are a lot of parallels in my life between uh, me and the musical Fiddler on the Roof, and it's about. The protagonist of that play is a Jewish guy that makes a lot of jokes, and every time he seems to get something down pat and he's used to what's going on, it changes for the worse. And I finally got used to the whole setup at Radio Free Brooklyn, and now it's like, and so I could look and touch and and readjust without really going away too much from the microphone, but now, as soon as I got that down, of course, we have a new setup. Um, So hopefully I don't get kicked out of here in 10 weeks. (laughs) Um, (laughs) My lease is uh, at least until May. You should be the from now on. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Um, so we're using a service, not Skype, because Skype, from it, it seems to work for Twit, but I have not heard in possibly the best podcast in the universe, No Agenda. Um, it is good for spam from random people that want you to go to their they, you know, there you websites. Go. I, like the, I like the ringing jingle. Uh, it's catchy, <laughs> you know? But... Uh, we're using a service called Zencaster, which uses uh, WebRTC. Is it Christian? Yes. So it does WebRTC for uh, live playback, but it records locally. So it re- uses some complex JavaScript in modern bleeding edge HTML 5.5 point whatever um, 
to allow us to talk to each other as if we were on Skype. And it, honestly, it seems to be doing fine so far, knock on wood. And uh, it, that uses a protocol, like we just said, called WebRTC. What is WebRTC? Well, it's really like the non-militaristic version of WebROTC. Yeah. Thank you. RTC, I'm guessing, stands for real-time communication? Correct. So WebRTC... Which is impossible over the internet because every packet has latency, so it's not real-time. Uh, so this is as good as it's going to get. So... No, but also real-time communication uh, is also encumbered by the speed of sound. So that's also not real-time communication. Well, so it's only the speed of sound going to your computer and then it's the speed of light going from no, but I mean, like if we were another. in person. If we were in person... You just have to deal with the speed of sound. You're limited by the speed of sound, which I think wind might affect the sound. Is that, like, if... if does that You're, you're thinking about this way too much. There shouldn't be... Anyway, real-time communication is a farce, generally, but, but WebRTC is as good as you're going to get. Yes. Right now. Sound well, so WebRTC is going to be the best uh, for... Uh, in-browser communication, I should say. Because so how does how does it work? So all it is is a very traditional peer-to-peer TCP connection, but the fact that it's in-browser is the big thing there. And the now, it's a very simplified it... from traditional peer-to-peer implementations because it just has this nice API that's easy to build on top of. Uh, in fact, uh, I have a BitTorrent client that I also set up uh, Tyler with that uh, is built in WebRTC instead. And you oh. can pipe that through Tor, which is nice for. Uh, well, that would have been useful on our episode of the dark web. Uh, you know, we did one of those, Christian. Oh. Mm. We asked you a question, but you weren't there. Yep. So why? Uh, here's a, here's a question that you are here to hear. Uh, why TCP and not UDP? It's reliable. Reliable, but isn't isn't the overhead inhibiting? So that's a uh, very common argument. And uh, it goes very back and forth. Like you look at VoIP, that's actually voice over IP. That's actually implemented in UDP because of that concern of, of latency and the fact Which that, is exactly that why I asked. They're, they're they're worried about uh, actually getting packets uh, uh, backed up in that case. But that can also happen with UDP. So there's other uh, uh, protocols out there that are transport layer protocols that uh, uh, are very new that. Uh, I remember the name of the one I'm specifically thinking of. Uh, it is, um, where is it? Sorry, just pulling it up. It is. This is why we have notes. Sorry. That's fine. Thank you for being. Chime in when you're ready, Christian. Right, well, I can't find it offhand, but it's uh, kind of like considered the third transport layer protocol. And it's is it the stream control transmission protocol. It is actually, yes, it is. Oh, look at that! And so that so that's the other option that is kind of like uh, the best of both worlds, where it's uh, more reliable than UDP, but you don't have that delay of confirming every packet delivery. Like when like, you can pee standing up, because you can control the stream. <laughs> okay. Sure. And <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> tip to tip. So <laughs> this ginger. Uh, okay. On PC. Um, go on, Christian. And so the thing about uh, doing it in TCP, though, is it's uh, it is um, based on uh, the argument is that with bandwidth today, that delay isn't so bad. 
And having it be that reliable, you can uh, move large payloads uh, over the web very easily. And <laughs> sorry, I've seen that on the internet. Before. <laughs> I'm too unsure. And um, so that uh, pages aside, WebRTC and BitTorrent also uh, are using TCP. Like uh, with BitTorrent, uh, it's using TCP because you're uh, you're basically downloading pieces of a file distributed uh, between a peer-to-peer -peer network, and then so you have a centralized server. And WebRTC does the same thing when you have a centralized server, but then for WebRTC, it's to just set up a connection to all of the other peers. And uh, with uh, BitTorrent, though, it's actually that you're downloading the file from the server, but then you have a bunch of peers that are also downloading the file, but they're get, being given different pieces that then all the peers also download from each other. What happens if nobody seeds, though, if everybody, if everybody has it off? If you, everybody has that off, then you're really only downloading from the server, so it's going to be pretty from slow. Gotcha. Uh, WebRTC replaced, uh, de facto replaced, because people still use it, an earlier communication protocol called SIP, the Session Initiation Protocol. Mm -hmm. Which is not peer-to-peer. -peer. No, it's not. It was, SIP was originally developed by more names that I'll read out. Mark Handley, Henning Schultzrin, I think I did a good job with that, uh, Evan Schuler, and Jonathan Rosenberg in 1996. Protocol was standardized RFC 2543 in 1999. In 2000, uh, it was accepted as a 3GPP. What is that? Uh, that's a web standard. Signaling protocol and permanent element of the IP multimedia subsystem architecture for IP streaming multimedia services in cellular networks. So if, I'm, uh, I'm guessing SIP is... Sorry, Tyler? Oh, go ahead. Okay. I'm guessing uh, SIP is what you use to make phone calls on the internet. What I mean, what is a phone call really these days? But I think So before VoIP, that was the case? Didn't VoIP use SIP? It built on top of... Well, it, I shouldn't say built on top of... It took ideas from SIP and uh, progressed them. So, okay. Uh, Jump it off. <laughs> so yes. it's not another level. Correct. It, on it, top of it. It, okay. it is a uh, sibling in a way. Gotcha, gotcha. And SIP uh, is distinguished by its proponents for having roots in the internet uh, in the internet community rather than the telecom industry. SIP has been standardized primarily by the Internet Something Task Force. I don't remember what E stands for. Uh, it's not good. Uh, uh, can we go back to BitTorrent for a second? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. What's right, that? Um, if uh, I'm not if I'm not mistaken, that was the one that uh, that like LimeWire and Kazaa used. Is that right? Uh, so LimeWire didn't uh, necessarily make you use BitTorrent. You could also do a traditional HTTP download with LimeWire. Well, hold on, hold on, wait. I'm sorry, but before we get into LimeWire, we have to talk about something that came out before LimeWire, which was something that sounds like a very delicious hazelnut spread. I'm talking about Nutella. G-N-U-T-L-L-A. Nutella. It's a large. It's a G-N-U-Tella. It's a large peer-to-peer -peer network, and it was the first decentralized peer-to-peer -peer network of its kind, leading to other larger later networks like Napster and Kazaa and Morpheus and uh, LimeWire and everything else we used in high school. So, uh, Christian, you've used Nutella, mm -hmm. and I just put it on bread. Hmm. What it, what, I'm sure it has a horrible interface. Uh, so, it's both an application and a protocol. And uh, the big, Interesting. Uh, it's a protocol in the sense that BitTorrent's a protocol, though I should say. It's not a pro protocol in the sense that it's a network protocol. 
So there were open clients for Nutella. Yep. Like there were open clients for BitTorrent. Yes. In fact, the only time I've ever used uh, Nutella is to download older uh, operating system images, and there's basically like nobody at you on the network anymore. So I, that makes I sense. Is anybody fun. still using Pine for email? Nope. Not as far as I'm aware. Or Gopher. Pine was a client. Gopher. I know they they put out a new version recently. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know. But anyway, PDP eight needs something. Anyway. Anyway, uh, in regards to Gnutella, the big uh, thing that kind of made it lose over BitTorrent was the fact that it was using UDP, so it wasn't as um, reliable. And so you'd actually, in the user layer, have to do this check of, hey, did I get all the pieces? No, let me try to get uh, those things back. And it was also, you're basically broadcasting the file. So you're, it's not like, give me these pieces. It's like, here are all the pieces. And then each client had to say, okay, this is the piece I need. Huh. Tyler, what do you think about Nutella? It was interesting. I heard him uh, start to get at my my favorite, I guess, uh, random random fun fact about uh, uh, Napster and LimeWire and all that stuff was the the basketball like ninety ninth percentile of the download because of the peer to peer network. In which case, you would think you were crazy, and you swore that the download was going fast for the first ninety nine percent of the way, and that last percent just isn't happening. Mm-hmm. Well, at forever. least we've preserved that in the modern era with macOS installation progress bars. <laughs> oh, About yes. a minute remaining for a day and a half. Well, that is the Windows one Thinking that'll go backwards. That I don't like. Oh, sorry, what were you saying? The, the Windows <laughs> one will, uh, that will go backwards. Oh, I've seen that. Mm-hmm. That's Microsoft. Micro, my, they always they see. I'm complaining about Apple going just progressing slowly. Microsoft goes backwards. Mm-hmm. That's, that's Microsoft that's, ripping off the MTA. <laughs> that's a new level of, of horrible. Um, okay, one thing also to mention about Napster, as you know, we talk. This is illegal stuff. We're all, we're talking again about illegal ac- acquisition of intellectual property, which we do not advocate on our fine show. Um, but of course, does happen. In fact, it was really popular in the late 90s, especially the year that was the record industry's highest grossing year in history, 1999. It actually made the most money ever, and that was when Napster was in its heyday. But then they spent the next 10 years complaining about piracy and how, oh, their artists are getting screwed. When, mm, I don't think so. Nope, the fans were getting screwed, and that's why you lost out to cool other services like Spotify. Right, but the artists are getting screwed out of Spotify. There, they're actually, you know, being hurt. I mean, you could argue that, but you could They're not getting hurt, hurt as badly as, say, like, uh, the people that sell Napster or the Pirate Bay kind of things. But the people who are the artists who get 20 million plays or downloads of an album can't make enough money to pay rent. But, you know, that was enough to sustain Pink Floyd so they could spend all of their time for a year and a half making their next album and touring. You got to, but there's so many other ways to make money as an artist now these days that, like, that's not a fair excuse. But to, I mean, I don't pay the people who play in subway stations. Do you, Tyler? (laughs) Oh, no. But, (laughs) but as far as releasing your music digitally, like, there's so many other aspects that come to it. If you're successful with your music, like, you can make successful social media accounts that generate you so much money just automatically. And and you could charge for for advertising on your web page. You could become an Instagram, uh, you know, trendsetter, and you could uh, um, 
what's the other one? You can have an, your official YouTube page and all the impressions. You can add money off that. Like you're making so much extra money. You're making money in so many different places off your media that they didn't used to have that back in the day. All right. Good to know. So, Maybe Spotify is supposed to be the whole. But you pie. have to do all of that to get. But that's so much more work than like. It is more work, but then again, it's less work than it's. You're not a slave to the record company. You're not in debt, tons of money, and like risk being in debt for your, the rest of your life if your albums flop and you spent too much time in the studio. Okay. <laughs> free money, free internet money. There you go. It's different. It's digital. It's digital money. Apps, it's so. free. Uh, not necessarily worse, I would argue. As I'm trying, I was hoping you would talk for like 10 more seconds. Oh, I'm sorry. No, that's fine. Um, that's fine. That's fine. Because um, I was looking up, I was pulling up the differences between SIP and WebRTC, and then we could really get into some peer-to-peer. Um, I think we're already doing some peer-to-peer stuff. Well, <laughs> yes, but you know what? Yeah, we don't need to talk. We, we don't need to talk about this some more. Uh, so the next step, we talked about BitTorrent. We talked about... Uh, pirating apps of yore um <laughs> what do you what what else is there to talk about in the well, peer-to-peer so there's things like uh ipfs which i think is pretty cool it's a distributed file system that distributes the entire file system over peer-to-peer so uh, this way a disk read can now take a year and a half no when it was previously just getting downloading something no but if you've ever uh, uh dealt with like hdfs gfs or uh, IPFS is the peer-to-peer one, and the other two, uh, I'm not entirely familiar how they replicate the data across the file system, but it's a way to treat many servers uh, as a shared file system, which does help in the sense of, I don't care where my app is running, and I just want to be able to read from disk in certain cases, all of a sudden, no matter where that app is running, it can always read from disk and have its data. Based on the latency of the network, though. Yes, but when you're in a data center that is optimized for this kind of stuff, that latency oh. is going to be practically nothing. What about if you had something that uh, booted from a website via IPFS? Not, I mean, not a, sorry, a remote host, not a... Uh... Booted from a website? Yeah. I, I don't understand what you mean. Like you have a BIOS that loads a hard disk that it has IP. Oh, like a, 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 a Pixie. So I'm actually building that. Yeah, like a Pixie boot off of a IPFS. I'm actually build, uh, I'm I'm building a Linux distro that boots into IPFS. Okay, well let's not talk about that and let's write a patent together and then we can. Oh, uh, it's it. open sourced already. Why are you open source, Christian? You can't build a billion dollar technology company if you give everything. Let's away. not have a patent fight in technology. Yeah, let, let, let's let's save this for for another episode. No, but hold on. Let's, let's, you know, let's save this conversation for another episode then. Okay, I'm just, I'm just going to... This is one of my qualms. Next with, week, patent wars. No, this is one of my qualms with open source is that you can't build a Microsoft with giving everything away. But we'll save that for next time on Podware Quest. Anyway. Uh, okay, so, so IPFS, by the way, quick tangent, and I own quicktangent.com. I should mention that because I actually haven't said it in a few weeks. That uh, Microsoft... Something good from Microsoft, which again, what uh, bizarro alternate universe is this? Uh, they made a new file system called GitFS, I think, Git, right? GitVFS. GitVFS. It's a virtualized file system with Git. Mm-hmm. Can you boot Windows from that? No, it's not. It's not like a file system in the sense that it's you're using it as a file system. It's a file system for Git to be virtualized on top of. So the, oh, the I thought is, that was going to replace NTFS. You're not pulling the whole repo each time. You're just pu- pu- uh, pulling. Uh, 
So in uh, Git, there's then, this concept of globs, which are these chunks of files that have changed. I made a couple globs today. Thank you for that. Giggity. While he was transporting loads over the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Okay, anyway. So they have these uh, these concepts of blobs or globs? Globs. With a G. Uh, they might be blobs. Let me double check that. Anyway. They have a con. They have this concept of a blob called whatever, and when that is a blobs, it's blob, with the B. And so, uh, what those are is it's just parts of files that have changed. Oh. Okay. Yes. I could totally see them doing this for Windows Update, which would would actually be nice. Might streamline that process. I would love to see most software updates to be done over Git from now on. That'd be very cool. Well, honestly, well, so yeah, it, basically, uh, there's that idea, and the other idea I've seen is packaging all your software in containers now. Like, if you look at uh, Snap packaging for Ubuntu, where you're actually using all your application, but and not just Ubuntu, you can run on any Linux distro. You're actually packaging your applications in a container, and then so that application's updates would just be here's the layer that changed in the entire container. Huh. Mm-hmm. Interesting, but anyway, very interesting. Back to peer to peer. Anyway, is, does Microsoft have anything that's going to replace NTFS? I thought I read something about that. I would not know. I don't know, but they are again heading in a good direction. I support. This is like I said, very odd times. I'm happy with Microsoft and a very shaming Apple. Hmm. Um, but none of that right now. Okay. So we won't even get into the wild iPhone eight rumors coming about for September. Hmm. Oh my God. Maybe it'll maybe it won't have uh any buttons. And it'll just be uh, a piece of glass that cuts you when you use it. I don't know. There's there's rumors that they're getting into AR and they're gonna release a shield designed there's a with, lot of, uh, there's a Carl's lot. Ice. That I wanna see. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of rumors. So, so but getting back to uh peer to peer, should also mention we are building an application for use on our show that uses peer to peer networking. Oh, that's right. That's right. Uh you want to talk about it? Sure. It's called O'Malley, named after Martin O'Malley, who is the uh, guy from the DNC debate. If you remember him, he's the one who goes, can I just talk? Can I just talk? I forgot to talk this whole debate. <laughs> and so the whole idea of this is for when one of us wants to uh, basically have the floor, uh, it does an election to say, okay, here, this guy has the floor. Let him talk. And we're doing it over peer-to-peer to reduce latency. And so, so some of the biggest challenges around it, though, are uh, how do you do peer-to-peer over routers? And a lot of things have solved that in different ways. Uh, it gets very hard due to natting, though, where all of a sudden there's the public IP address, but then the device that you're actually connected to behind the router has a totally different IP address than the one that the, yeah, the, the peer knows to go to. So the way uh, uh, O'Malley's getting around this is we're actually setting up a VPN network that also is uh, uh, built on top of an SDN, so we have a virtual IP address that's shared across this entire network for each peer that runs. So it's a, a, a IP address specifically for just O'Malley to talk to. And so that way they, they it can communicate that way. And the other ways to do it would have been like port forwarding or clan server bastions where uh, each of our devices are still talking to a server somewhere. What's and a bastion? A bastion is just a point of entry. Okay. And so... so Yes, and so in, in, that, in that specific uh, setup, it would be uh, we're still doing client to server to a specific server, but then uh, if those servers that are on the public internet would talk back and forth 
which for just the three of us we wouldn't need that, but that's something that at a very large scale you can do. Okay. Right. Now, what's really funny about O'Malley, I like the name, um, but what's really funny about O'Malley is that I had a vision for this that was 99% different from the way that you've gone about structuring this whole thing. <laughs> I can't even, like, I wanted squares on a screen that had a node API that was running on my little VPS that just changed the color of the square when somebody hit a button, which this will do, but you have, you're recreating an internet to do that. No, I wouldn't say and, that. Uh, well, a little, but... Uh, I think you're taking the phrase bridging the gap to a whole new level. So the reason why I'm do it, uh, doing it this way instead of the way that uh, you were going to do it, because the way you're going to do it definitely would work, and I like that idea, but my concern around that would be latency. Exactly. And then I would complain to you. Mm -hmm. This is what would happen. I'd complain to you. Let me put some music back on. I like that. Then I would complain to you about... This is, this is some good... Uh, anyway, I'm getting distracted. Uh, I'd complain to you about the latency, and then you do one of your classic things where you tell me, you look at what I did, and you say, it's all wrong. Why? <laughs> Why'd you do it this way, Eric? And I'll say, but I, I know what I'm doing. I've been, I've been making websites for 15 years. And you would say, this is not a website. This is something different. <laughs> and that's how... And then you'd tell me what it would be, and it would go way over my head, and I would just say, you know, why don't you do it? And that, now we're here. So, <laughs> in the alternate universe where I got where I wanted, we were actually in the same place at the end. <laughs> but, uh, and this is a learning experience, it's great, and a lot of these things that you do are great learning experiences for me. Oh, because, no, they really are, and there should be great learning experiences for all of us, including you, Tyler, uh, that really, there's so much to take away from not just the stuff that we make, but how we do it, and the, in and the intricacies involved. And, uh, I, I don't know. Like I said, this is not... And, and I like to think I'm pretty good at deconstructing things. This is not how I would have gone to solve this problem from step one. I mean, I, and I, it's a good thing. So I'm very interested to see how this turns out. And I'd be very interested to see reading your source code. Thank you. And, uh, Tyler, what do you want to do to help us with this project? Um, give you guys really strong words of encouragement. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> Christian does teach awesome lessons. Um, I will powwow with you guys on this project and see what I can do. I've never been a part of it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. I've been working on other code side projects. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, and the potential for O'Malley, I'd say, is much greater than the presidential candidate. Because, <laughs> because hopefully it won't be around for a couple months and then lose interest. Uh, so, anyway, that's... Is that all you want to say about Martin? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Martin would have also been a good name for it. <laughs> yeah, but O'Malley is more memorable. Yeah, and, and it makes you ask, why O'Malley, as opposed to Martin? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, the, those why campaigns never work. I, I, I shouldn't say, well, yeah. No, they don't. I remember when I was in college working for an internet radio station where they let me podcast the same day. Imagine that. Ten years ago. Um... Mm. <laughs> anyway, uh, somebody who was the marketing person for our college radio station had this idea of posting logos all across the campus, and he'd say, uh, when people see this, they're just going to go, what is it? And then they're going to have to go to the website that tells them what it is, and nobody did. Mm. Nobody it does did. does not work. It just That's, makes you mad. No. You, you, especially with how much modern, modern society has become desensitized from weird stuff 
that uh anyway i like o'malley is the name and uh it's good it's good um all of these peer-to-peer networks uh not the one that we're making but i mean you know if we have other people's content on it maybe uh they're protected from being sued for harboring illegal content by a provision in the one of the horrible laws to come out of the early 2000s, which was actually, I think the DMCA came out in the late 90s, but it was the Digital Millennium Copyright Act. And there's a provision in it for what are called common carriers, which says that carriers that allow anyone to upload content and they don't curate it, they're exempt from lawsuits from the, from the types of content that are uploaded. As long as they say that they have to publish a notice warning people that they can't upload illegal things, and if they do, then they're going to pass that information to the government. That's part of it. They have to be complicit in, in you know, apprehending uh, pirates, but in exchange for their, in, in exchange for being a rat, they'll give you immunity. That's basically what they're saying, right? Is that what this is? Mm-hmm. So snitches get stitches, but if but sometimes it pays off because then you don't go to jail. Mm-hmm. That is an equilibrium equation. Well, that's that's how that's the work. classic government. Here, tell us all your secrets. We'll protect you from the bad guy who you just totally ratted out. Yeah, but then that bad guy is going to get out of jail and he's going to kill you. Yeah, and then you end up mm-hmm. like Christopher Walken and Joe Dirt getting a boner being t- uh, when you're hearing about your dead wife. Yeah. Uh, that's what happened to Tim Allen. That's why we have him. Yeah, but that you know the guy from the LIRR is still around. What? What? <laughs> what? No, you didn't hear about that. The fat guy with the like the long curly hair. There's a lot of fat guys. No, 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 no. It's the if you, you mean see every something, say something. No, 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 no. It's this. Oh, it's that guy. You see, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He apparently ratted out some 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 people, and uh, he's a known snitch. But now he's the penny works for the LIRR. Hmm. And uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, we're distract. We're det- detracting. Uh, you want to? I mean, we we're almost out of time, but mm-hmm. we have all the time we want. Well, I'd say let's just uh, close up the peer-to-peer topic for now and see where that that uh, leaves us. Which what kind of okay? All I have left to say That's- is, why do ISPs really not like peer-to-peer networking? <laughs> And I don't know. I, I'd say the biggest answer is peer-to-peer networking really optimizes bandwidth. And by optimizes bandwidth, I mean it utilizes all the bandwidth you're given. And so if you're using all your bandwidth, all of a sudden those ISPs have less of a surplus or probably what's not really a surplus so much as just what they the add, deficit add, add because have. we just talked about yep. how Time Warner wasn't properly upgrading their infrastructure yep. equipment. It all comes full circle. Also, it allows people to communicate and share stuff better, which is not good for the company because then they can't keep secrets and they can't control the stuff that you're trying to watch and then they can't make money off you as easily. Mm -hmm. And if it truly is peer-to-peer, it's going to be harder to snoop on your traffic. Even though men in the middle, uh, you know, that still still works. But unless it's really encrypted. So, I mean, O'Malley gets around that uh, with a VPN. It sets up a VPN. Like I said, it's encrypted. Yeah. That's, so you're saying the overhead in a VPN is actually less than the just... What? That doesn't make any sense. I, I don't think you're thinking of a VPN. I'm not, I'm not like, thinking with portals. So there's, VP, there's VPNs that are implemented in, in 
primarily user space, and then there's uh, VPNs that are implemented primarily in kernel space. And so the one I happen to be using is just OpenVPN. But what that does is it does encryption in user space, but then it's actually utilizing the tunnel device to uh, create the VPN between uh, nodes in the network. Hmm. Interesting. There's a lot of networking that's going on. Yep. I guess networking is the best way to handle all of this. Yep. Like, I mean, in, in, in operating systems. Yes. Is that limited by anything? Because like, don't doesn't that technically have to fo- go through a network adapter that technically has a maximum speed? Yes, there's uh, event, eventually it all comes down to hardware, regardless of what you're doing, you know. No, but I mean like Linux sockets, isn't that Unix sockets? I'm sorry, Unix sockets. How does that? Doesn't that technically have to go through like a like a virtualized local network adapter, like the loopback adapter or whatever? So the way sockets work is that they bind to a particular network interface. That network interface is a way of exposing a uh, particular uh, IP interface. Well, it is an IP right. interface, I should say. That's what I just said. Right. And that then uh, maps to a uh, through ARP, it maps to a particular MAC address. No, 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 no. And that MAC address about. is actually your NIC. And at that point, it's uh, at the NIC on the software side is just a, uh, a transfer queue and a receive receive queue, and those are basically just pulled for uh, packets coming in and out. Right, but I'm talking about a virtualized adapter from when you when you have something in software mm-hmm. that from the from something that's from one Unix protocol to another thing that interacts through a socket, a Unix socket. Well, that, that's being virtualized in user space in that case, and that's not exactly. But okay, let's walk this back now. For the third time, I'm going to say, doesn't this mean that it has to go through a network interface that, even if it's virtualized on your computer, has to have a maximum speed, which would then limit honestly, the speed that that communication can happen. Yes. That's not good. I think you're getting confused, though, because it, it's the, this network interface is either a physical one, and in the case of us, it is a physical one, and then you have that... Talk I'm not talking kernel. about O'Malley, I'm just saying generally. Oh. So, yes, if you're using a... It, it all depends, one, on your network interface, which then depends on your transfer and RxQs in the kernel. And then that that ends up uh, being bubbled up into a particular network interface, or a network. So do they just set a, a ridiculously? Device. Do they just set a ridiculously high number for the speed of the network inter- or the virtual network interface, or how does that? Where, where is this coming into play? I, I, I'm not understanding. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, we're getting we're getting off track. Uh, I think that might honestly bring us to the end of this pull request. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say so. All right. So, Tyler, do you have anything else to add before we uh, review it? Uh, I think we're good. This was a good episode. I think so. I think so, too. I, I, I think we had a fantastic time. We weren't rushed. We don't have to plug anybody else's show. We own like the that. whole stack. Everything is us. We're not frustrated and by the trains. Not frustrated by the trains. For the moment. I think, I think Zencaster held up well. I brought uh, some Zen to the show. We'll <laughs> have to see. Oh, crap. I forgot to hit record. Are you serious? Uh-huh. No, I'm not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, we'll see you all next week right here on Pull Request. Uh, ready to merge? Looks good to me. Oh, yep. no, wait. I forgot. Our, I can't believe it. I have to say, do you approve this pull request, Christian? Thank you. Looks good to me. Tyler, do you approve this pull request? I certainly do. All right, then let's all hit merge.
And why is that not? And we'll see you next week right here on Pulver Quest. This has been the Pneumonium Production. The views and opinions expressed on Pulver Quest do not necessarily reflect those of Pneumonium LLC or its subsidiaries.